All righty. Hello and welcome back to the Canadian Bowler Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Caldwell. And as always, I got my co-host with me today, Daryl Fitzgerald. Daryl, how you doing? Hey, Luke, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing really good. That's good. I'm not doing so bad, I guess. Just hanging out, uh, dealing with the cold weather and a little bit of snow on this uh, lovely May morning. Yeah, uh, I could not believe that uh, the snow showed up this morning when I woke up and I saw the light dusting. I mean, yeah, it's no fun. It's not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be gone. Yeah, and to think we and to think we would start bowling in a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> exactly, right. I mean, I know people are are a little uh, anxious to get out bowling, but uh, yeah, you look outside and you see some snow. It's like, well, I guess it's not meant to be. Yeah, actually, absolutely. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, our special guest today is. Uh, I'm excited. It's our first non-Canadian guest, which is exciting. Um, He's somebody who's been a staple in the American Bulls national team for some time, I do believe, and that is Aaron Zangle. Aaron, how are you doing today? Very well. Good morning. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> How's it uh, out there in sunny California? Uh, you know, it's a little early in the morning, but uh, the sun's just coming up and should be almost 80 degrees and sunny, just like almost every other day. Lucky for us. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. So uh, I know the whole COVID-19 thing is a pretty big topic out there. So uh, what's your life been since uh, all this happened? Um, my actually, a lot of my life really hasn't changed. I'm still working on a daily basis. Um, I own a, a restaurant now, a little pizza shop in Culver City. So okay. we're deemed an essential business and we're still open and making pizza every day. So, um, you know, our beaches are closed. So... There's no like surfing. The bowls clubs are closed, so there's no bowls. So it's just work and come home. Fair enough. So it's kind of you know weird in that regard, but I'm fortunate enough that my business is still open and I'm working. That's good. That's I mean, awesome. that's positive, right? Um, yeah, definitely. I know because I know a lot of people aren't right. Everyone's worried about, geez, the NBA not playing and us not being able to play bowls. But you know, families are really suffering and people are are out of jobs currently and. It's crazy. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to have a job and, and you're still working, you you know you you think that that's happening, right? Definitely, definitely true. And how about you boys in Canada? Are you guys working as well currently, or affected at home? Uh, I've been home for the last two months. Actually, I was actually laid off uh, just before this whole thing happened, and I went back to work for three days and then got sent home again. So, <laughs> yeah. just been hanging out. I've been yeah. locked in this office in front of this computer for the last uh well over a month now so i've been working from home which is good and and nothing's changed for me for the most part but yeah being in this office is a little confining <laughs> now aaron i gotta ask this is usually a question i like to ask uh everybody that comes on the show uh who okay. who are you who are you today who am i today yeah um i'm not sure i understand i'm i'm aaron same as every other day i guess <laughs> Uh, just, to, I, I guess, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What? Oh, uh, who am I? Um, yeah. yeah. So, Aaron Zangle. Um, I guess I'm known as United States Lawn Bowler. Um, as mentioned, currently own a restaurant as well. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, went to college there. Didn't know about lawn bowling. Um, ironically, the lawn bowling club in Wisconsin is two blocks from where I went to college, and never knew the game existed or that the bowls club was there until I moved to California and then that's when I found lawn bowling. 
So kind of weird that I was so close to the game and didn't know it was there. And then has have since been back to Wisconsin and played at that club, which wow. was really cool. Uh, so I think we met back in 2011 at Tiger Bowls. Was that the very first time that we met? That probably would have been the first time we met. I was trying to retrace that steps and I don't think you would have played for Canada in Cyprus at the, the last Atlantic championship that the U S and Canada got to go to. That's right. Yeah, no, I didn't. So, okay. cause yeah. I know there were some Canadian players there and that would have been the first chance I probably would have had to meet you, um, was when our countries got to play in both qualifiers for world bowls. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It would have been at that tiger bowls in, in Hong Kong and China. So, uh, Knowing that, I mean, we met at Tiger Bowls, and I know that you've traveled the world, not only for bowls, but for other stuff, uh, traveled all over the United States. Um, I, I would say, based on your pictures and kind of stuff, uh, you've done a lot of things, and you have a lot of interests. Uh, give us kind of a, a breakdown of, of the stuff you like to do outside of bowls in, in California, and and what takes you around the world? Why do you why do you like to travel so much? Yeah, you bet. Um you know, I think growing up in Wisconsin gave me a real sense of nature and adventure, kind of growing up in rural wilderness, um, being exposed to boating at an early age, and then moving here to the coast in California and having the whole ocean available. So um, I've had a boat almost the whole time I've lived out here. So going on 10 years, I've had boats and going out, explore the ocean, wow. scuba diving, fishing, um, we've got some offshore islands that are fairly easily accessible to to get to as well. You know, 20 miles, Catalina's not that far. Um, and then going along with surfing. Um, in Wisconsin, I was a snowboarder growing up and just transferring those skills to the ocean and just really just being out there. Um, you know, so those interests have, have taken me around the world, chasing waves, I guess, or going to different surf spots and just exploring in general. Where would uh, where would you say your favorite spot to surf has been that you've been? Probably Bali. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, probably Bali. Um, a close second would be Panama on the Caribbean side. Nice. Pretty cool place as well. Warm water. You can't beat warm water. You know, surfing in warm <laughs> water is the greatest. As you guys were talking about the snow and being cold and and whatnot up in Canada, you know, you know the warm water tropicals, the the dream. <laughs> That's Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Yeah, a little, a little side story about cold water. I was out fishing yesterday, and I got one of my brand-new lures stuck on a tree, So, and I didn't want to lose it, so I struck down and got in the ice-cold water so I could get it back out. So You're a brave man. I would definitely appreciate some warm water right about now. <laughs> um, talking about uh, Tiger Bulls, where we first met, um, was that your first experience over in sort of China, Hong Kong, and, and playing on those kind of surfaces, what was your experience like, uh, for that event? Wow. Um, definitely hard to adapt, right? Their greens are, especially once we got into Shenzhen inside the the park there where the complex was with the two greens, those greens were, you know, very spongy and very slow. Um, you know, even here in the U S our greens aren't fantastic, but it's just different, different playing conditions, you know, that we, definitely don't see here maybe closer to what you see in Canada, but I'm guessing your greens aren't even as slow as what they were then they've gotten the greens better. Um, definitely in Hong Kong, right? A lot of those greens have gotten a lot better over the years. Cause I've gone back. Right. Two, three, four to four tiger bowls now. Wow. Um, 
one of which we even went way up into northern China to where they make the carpet for the artificial greens. Right. Um, the one year that it was, your boys won a medal there that year, Pat Bird and some of the boys. Yeah, that was when my, my brother played there. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. So that was a cool experience as well to get way up into northern China and to tour the factory. And I think we were some of the only, you know, foreign white people that had been in that area in a long time. It was, we were like movie stars, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, uh, how did you get into bowls and how old were you when you started? I must have been just over 30. Um, and as mentioned, I hadn't known the game growing up in Wisconsin. The bowls club was so close to me at the college, but didn't know. Randomly moved to Hermosa Beach, where there is a bowls club, and walked by, saw the players playing, didn't know what the game was. I grew up very sporting and active and was, you know, odd that I would see this sporting complex and not know what game they were playing. So it grabbed my attention and they invited me in for a little lesson. All the players, all the members of bowls clubs around the world actually are always super friendly and welcoming. That's something that I really like about the game as well. So, you know, I was just standing by the fence and they invited me in and was just hooked. Um, I played at the little club in Hermosa probably two years before I even knew there were tournaments and a competitive scene for lawn bowling. Um, The little club in Hermosa is a very sleepy little club and we just, the players just kind of hang out at the beach and play at our little club and don't venture out or they didn't at that time. Um, So I was just happy drawing, just going out there by myself. I was working nights at the time. So I would just go to the green and, just draw to the jack all day long because I was just intrigued and fascinated by it. That's really neat. That's awesome. Yeah. And then somehow got exposed. Well, actually it was through Tony bear, another, um, U S national team player that exposed me to the tournament scene. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing and took me to some tournaments. And then he and I won the U S national championship together as well. That's awesome. So that's kind of how that played out. Uh, Speaking of the national championships, so for those that don't know um, U.S. geography and don't necessarily know Bulls USA, um, what is the scene like? Like, where are the hotbeds of Bulls in the U.S.? You bet. So in Bulls, the U.S. is broke down into, I believe, eight divisions. Geographically, more or less. Right. Um, the southern the southwest division which is southern california is definitely where the most of the clubs are and most of the bowlers um arizona has a lot of clubs and really good greens the pacific northwest also up in the seattle area has um, a good contingent of bowlers at the club in jefferson park um as mentioned in the milwaukee area there's a club and there's a lot going on down in Florida and a little bit in the in um, the Northeast, like in New Jersey as well. So we're kind of spread out geographically all across the U.S., but definitely here in the Southwest, I think, is where most of the action goes on. And now, uh, how do, how do the uh, national championships work in the United States? Yeah, so we have divisional playdowns, I guess, which are probably similar to your provincials. Okay. Yeah, yeah so you have to... So ours here is in the Southwest, we have singles and pairs playdowns um, and you have to come, you have to win your division and then the division winners get together at the national championships and play 
for a week in both singles yeah. and pairs. Um, for for to be honest, for us, the hardest part is just getting out of division. In if you look at the names and the people that are mainly bowlers in the U.S., um, the ones that you would know and recognize, eighty percent of them at least are probably here in the Southwest. Yeah, I think that's true. When I've I've looked over the lists of previous winners or or who's won this year, there's a lot of Southwest uh, names on there for sure. Yeah, and just the numbers game, we have numbers wise a lot more greens and a lot more bowlers as well. That makes uh, sense. And no disrespect to the other divisions, right? I'm not taking any of those other <laughs> bowlers from the other divisions lightly by any means. I'm just saying. Our, 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 to get out of our division playdowns is is a dogfight. Right. Oh, I, I completely understand that. Um, so bowling down in California, um, obviously you've got the climate for some some really fantastic and longer seasons. Um, what's your favorite club to play at? Um, geez. You know, probably the club in Laguna Beach, I would have to say when the greens are rolling good just because of the view. It's on the cliff right there on the ocean, so the the view is fantastic. And, you know, typically their greens are well cared for and running pretty well, which is which is nice. You know, so not only do you have the view in the backdrop, but, you know, for me, playing on a nice running green is, is huge. Nobody, I mean... Not many people like playing on bad greens where there's a lot of inconsistencies. They're super slow and just crazy runs. Um, it just it takes a lot of the fun out of the game to me. I guess I'm spoiled in that regards, having traveled and playing on you know, ultimately some of the best greens in the world. So that's right. So, uh, what would be some of your uh, best and worst memories uh, from your bowling career? Ooh. Um, Best and worst. Uh, I can tell you one story combined in both. How about that? Yeah, um, This would have been, let me see, this would have been World Bowls in Christchurch um, for five years ago. Yeah. Um, playing against, we're, this is a fours, so we were playing rinks against the home country, New Zealand, uh, Alley Forsyth skipping, and they smashed us. 45 to 12 or something maybe maybe wow. we didn't even have 12 but it was um a complete whooping um pretty humbling experience right to be beat that bad when you think look i'm a good player and i can compete and you can't compete and they just so hats off to ali and the boys that day because they completely owned us um complete next game we're playing against scotland and we somehow won that game um, you know, so to come back and win against Foster and Marshall, and um, I'm going to have to apologize. I don't remember who else was on the Scottish team, but, you know, to beat some world champions after getting beat by 40 shots is is a pretty impressive and a, and a really good feeling. Absolutely. Um, especially on the top level, you know, to, to be able to rebound after getting beat so bad to the very next game play against arguably the best players in the world and come back and win. That's fantastic. Um, you know, so that was a special day. That was a special day and a and a special memory. You know, getting beat so bad and then having a nice win afterwards. It's definitely quite a, a roller coaster of a day. <laughs> that was a roller coaster of a day, and and it always is, as you guys know as well, playing in major tournaments. Right there, yeah. 
you're playing bowls all day long and just mental focus all day. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a struggle some days for sure. Um, so speaking about some of the some of the big names that you've played against, um, bowling in the U.S. Um, who who do you look up to for inspiration as far as um, your bowls and and where you want to go and and how you want to play? Oh, interesting question. Wow. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier Tony Bear. I don't know if you guys know Tony, but I was very lucky to meet him when I was at the club in Hermosa Beach and him kind of taking me under my wing and teaching me the game. And um, Tony understands the game very, very well and kind of taught me how to read the head, um, which, believe it or not, a lot of experienced players still struggle with in, you know, setting up the head and playing correct shots. So, That's true. Um, being able to, to learn some of those things from an experienced player at an early age helped me, even though, um, we were very similar in age. He had a lot of experience, um, had played for the U S team and traveled a lot before meeting me. Um, and then Tony has kind of taken a little time off and has a family currently where he's raising his, his two little children. So, um, I would definitely say that Tony was a huge part of my life in, in bowls, um, you know, um, there's a lot of other people that challenge me and, and strive me to be better, I think as well, you know, guys that are on the team and guys that have been on and off the team, um, you know, Neil Furman, Scott Roberts, Bill Brawl, Charlie Herbert, Lauren Dion, um, you know, these guys are all good top level bowlers as well. And all here in, in my division. So we see each other and are always challenging each other. Um, you know, so to have that level of competition at, you know, our local mixed pairs tournament or, you know, anything <laughs> like that. I mean, we're going to run into a lot of the top U.S. players on a regular basis here. So it's cool. Cool. That's that's quite a list of names. <laughs> and I could have went on. Right. I mean, those were, yeah. you know, just team members and names that you guys would know. There's two handfuls of guys in the background of names you might not know that are knocking on the door and ready to go. Right. Uh, we had a quick um, question from our chat uh, for you uh, from Pierre Vanderhout or Hoot. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Uh, are participation levels in the United States increasing or, or decreasing? Are there any new clubs opening? Interesting. I haven't heard of any new clubs opening. Um, but on that note as well, I haven't heard of any clubs closing as well, which is a good thing. I know, especially in Australia right now, a lot of clubs are really suffering and are on the verge of closing. So um, I don't know that we're necessarily gaining any new clubs, but we haven't lost any clubs. And I think our membership is pretty steady, if not inclining, um, probably not a steep incline, but the clubs are doing pretty good overall, I think. I feel I feel good for Bulls USA and the status of Bulls in America. Sure, we've got millions and millions of people and the sport should be bigger and there should be more going on, but I don't know. I don't know what to say about that, right? <laughs> I think we all kind of feel that way. Those of us that know and love the game we do. think that it should catch on more. But for sure. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think uh, a lot of uh, there's plenty of people in other countries that don't quite uh, grasp the geography of the United States or Canada and how far it is from coast to coast um, and how many other countries you could probably fit into one of our countries. <laughs> exactly. As far as that's concerned. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge. 
it's definitely a challenge. Um, so you being a part of uh, Bulls USA, what has it meant to you to put on uh, basically the American colors and, and play internationally? Yeah, it's pretty, it's a very, very, very special. And, you know, it's an honor to be able to put that uniform on and, and wear the uniform and be on the green representing our country. Um, you know, I'm sure you can attest to that. That is a, a very powerful and empowering feeling. Um, you know, for the, for the U.S., that's World Bowls is basically the highest level that we get to play at. Um, you guys are fortunate and get to play in the Commonwealth Games, which is really, really cool, I think. Um, and unfortunately, Bowles isn't in, in the Olympics. So, you know, for us and me going to, you know, even the qualifiers or the NAC or Tiger Bowls, some of the lower level events, but ultimately at World Bowls and and wearing that jersey at the, the pinnacle of the sport really is, it's a really special experience and, you know, memories that I'll I'll never forget and friends like yourself that I've, I've met and <laughs> will have my whole life. Um, I wanted to ask you also about um, uh, something that you were involved in that, that kind of got uh, pushed to the side this year because of the situation we're in, uh, the UBC. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, the uh, the UBC is an event, uh, or I guess a series of events down in Australia. And there's teams that uh, the bulk are from Australia, but there's uh, a lot of international teams that go and compete um in a couple of events uh, throughout the year, but this year it got canceled. Um, and North America had their first team in there. Um, it's the North American Orcas, if I'm uh, that's correct. I'm correct. Yeah. And Aaron uh, was actually selected, uh, drafted into that team. And I just wanted to get your take on um, how how excited were you to actually um, be selected and and know that you're going to go and play in the UBC. And uh, what's actually uh, uh, do you think is happening with that going forward? You bet. So um, for me, I was super excited to get drafted. You know, it was this is the the second or third year of the of the league that Mark Casey put together, and really, ultimately, the the format that they've established. It's a different little version of the game with the scoring system, and I think you know, speaking of getting the game more popularized and moving it forward that format is a lot more appealing to younger generation and just viewers in general. Um, hold on, refocus me. Where were we going? Uh, what did it mean to you to be selected? Did yeah, you see it? Sorry. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And what it meant to me ultimately, and this is going to be a playoff where our last question was going um, selection for this year's U S national team came out. And um, for whatever reason, I didn't make the team. Um, so a few weeks later, the announcement for the draft came out and I was selected. So I was, I was, I'll be honest with you guys. I was completely crushed that I didn't make that U S team. It yep. was a complete shock to me. Um, never really understand the selection process here in the U S there's teams, you know, that I've made that I didn't think I was going to be picked for and, um, not to be picked for this world bowls team was like I say, a bit of a shock and, um, a bit crushing. So, the the rebound and getting selected and drafted for um, an Australian professional league was 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 really nice for me. It really it really made me feel you know good again, and especially since I see it being more of the future of mainstream bowls, the UBC. Yeah. Um, so knowing that uh, they just came out with the announcement that they're going to try to do uh, 
all three events for the year in one week. Um, how do you think that's going to go? And do you think that everybody's actually going to be able to attend? Yeah, um, it's going to be real interesting to see the way the the global travel world plays out here moving forward. Um, I'd really like to be able to go and play. It just seems like Australia currently has things completely locked down on their borders. So yeah. I don't think any of the, the Asian teams that are in the league, they may allow the, the New Zealanders in. Um, that I'm not sure. Uh, but definitely our team of myself, Lauren Dion, and Aussie Chambers, who's from Vancouver, I believe, yeah. the, the BC area. Um, it doesn't look like the three of us in our North American orcas are going to be making the trip over to Australia anytime soon. Um, they haven't finalized the date of when that super week for the UBC is going to take place, I don't think, but hopefully, hopefully we can go. Um, I'm super eager to get over there and play. Yeah. Um, especially with it all being televised uh, online and everyone being able to watch. And like I say, it's very easy to follow for even non bowlers. Um, if you show, you know, with the, the different colored bowls and the scoring and the way it works, it's it's set up really, really well, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just uh, we spoke a little bit about that before the show, and uh, I think I agree with you on that one. I think it'll be a while before uh, anyone's allowed to travel into Australia, just knowing what they're like about their borders, even exactly. before even before all this uh, virus thing happened. It was not the easiest place to go to, and they had to take a lot of safety precautions. So I, I would be shocked if it's open anytime in the near future. Yeah. So I'm very, very lucky and thankful that I did all the traveling around the world, you know, personally and bowls wise when I was able to, because I think the global landscape is going to be completely different moving forward. Unfortunately, you know, I think travel is going to be a lot more restricted in general. Yeah. Whether it's for a couple of years or forever, we don't know, but exactly. I think, I think I agree with you on that one. So uh, we like to have a little fun uh, with our guests as well. Um, I've got, went and pulled a few pictures uh, from your Facebook, and okay. uh, I'll pop them up on the screen. Um, hopefully you can give a little context as to possibly when they are, where they are, and uh, just a little story as to what the picture actually means to you as far as your Bulls career goes. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. So this picture. Yeah, this picture would have been last year on the Gold Coast in Australia at the Asia Pacific Qualifiers. That's um, U.S. team with myself, Lauren Dion, and Bill Brault. Um, picture that we had taken versus the Australian team, Barry Lester, Aaron Sheriff, and Aaron Tees. Uh, you know, just some world champions there. <laughs> um, become good friends with these guys over the years and have some fun on and off the green. Um, Barry Lester, actually, you guys will probably be seeing some of this now, just nominated me for his 25-day push-up challenge. I saw that, yeah. For the PST, um, post-traumatic stress disorder and mental illness awareness. Um, so he sent it over the pond to me. Thank you, Barry. I'm sure he'll be watching this right now. And um, so some of you boys might be doing some push-ups as well, because I don't know if I could find 25 American bowlers or people I know willing to do 25 push-ups every day. So 
um, yeah, it's kind of cool to get, um, you know, you guys saw the picture of all the jerseys that I've traded with different international players over the years and yeah. just the bonds that you make with people on and off the green when you travel internationally is, is really, really cool. Uh, another another thing about this game, uh, Australia has lots of cool birds. Not that it, you can't see them in the picture, but they've got uh, kookaburros and lots of random birds that we don't have over here, and they make really cool noises. So always interesting. Right. Uh, currently looking at NEC. Yeah. yeah, that's the NEC that's, one. Uh, the North American Challenge between the United States and Canada, mm-hmm. which the U.S. was fortunate enough to finally win. I know you guys have. Given us a smashing in past years, so here are the U.S.'s with some of the hardware. Yep. How about that one? <laughs> this is, ooh, this would have been World Bowls in Adelaide at the World Championships. Um, somehow got some VIP action, and right before the singles championship, they let me kind of mess around with the camera a little bit. So that would have been, oh, let me see. Uh, Bester might have got the silver medal that year. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Behind the scenes and all the the TV action. Um, yeah, a little baseball trading card for my lawn bowling career for all my fans because we all got so many fans out there, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, this is the autographed model, so someone got someone got a real, real gem right there. Just uh, having fun with bowls, you know, just like you guys. Um, also wanted to thank you guys for doing this as well. You know, all, all the, that you guys do to get bowls out into the world and promoting our sport since no one else is really doing it. I think it's really, really cool. And that's another reason I wanted to, to come on the show and just chat about bowls and help get the exposure out there. So knowing this card, and I, I think I have one of these cards uh, somewhere around here, believe it or not. Um, I wanted to ask you about Milo and where that came from. Yeah, Milo, that's a that's a story. So when I first moved to California, my first job was at the Lighthouse Cafe. It's a live music venue right on the beach in Hermosa Beach. Um, general manager at the time that hired me thought I looked like the lead singer from a band, a local band called The Descendants. Oh, really? They're a famous punk rock band from 90s, I guess, era. Lead singer of the band is called Milo, and he grew up in the adjacent community of Manhattan Beach. So he thought I looked like this guy enough to say, well, your new name is Milo. <laughs> so my first paycheck came to me as Milo Zangle. He introduced me to everybody as Milo. And if you came down here to where I live now, you'd meet my friends and they wouldn't believe you if I told you my name is Aaron, probably. Everyone just kind of knows me as Milo. All right. It's uh, so kind of <laughs> random that it just stuck. Um, so depending on how and where you know me from, you might know me as Milo. All right. Fair enough. Here's an old one for you. Yeah, that would have been NAC and Juan de Fuca yep. up in BC. Uh, a, lot a lot of, of people without beards. Well. That's a good picture. Yeah. I'm say, if you, yeah. if you saw some of these guys today, uh, I'd say more than half of them probably have some big beards, right? I bet, I bet almost all of us do, as you can <laughs> tell by mine, right? I got mine working as well. <laughs> Everyone's looking pretty clean cut in that picture. That's true. Yeah. How about this? That maybe Gregor. Gregor's got a little beard. It looks like. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> some, you know, some some good fun in Hong Kong with. Um, actually, we were in Shenzhen here. This is in Shenzhen, across in mainland China, with uh, the Chinese bowls carrier. All right. 
that's interesting. More fun around the green, you know. <laughs> making making good use of bamboo. And this is yeah. This would have been this would have been the trip when we first met. Yeah. Um, I want to say that's the upper green in Shenzhen as well. I think it is as well. Yeah. Your memory is good. Yeah. And that's a very cool facility. That park is amazing. Yeah, uh, it is. We actually. took a hike up to the top of the mountain there. There's a really nice walking trail that winds around. One of my teammates, Neil Furman, and I took a, a hike up to explore. It's, the like park the, is massive. It's very cool. It looks like there might be a little delicious uh, Sing Tao in that photo, too, I think. <laughs> I think there is. A couple of them there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, definitely the beer of choice, or probably the only beer available. <laughs> I think too. the only one available. <laughs> All right. Um uh, so Aaron, I mean, um, like you said, you've got your, your pizza place open and you're, you're doing that. Um, Bulls is kind of shut down. Um, what are you most excited for this year or possibly next year? Um, as far as, uh, getting back out of the greens or any events that you hope, uh, come back and come back strong. You bet. Um, you know, for me, it's, I'd really just miss the boys. Like I said, all of, um, here in Southern California, most of the, the guys that I play with on a regular basis are around. So I miss, I miss seeing these guys going to the, the tournaments and just rolling bowls and being out on the green. And But moving forward, the, the UBC, you know, that's really what I'm looking forward to is when that the UBC date gets finalized and if we're going to allow to be in Australia and playing. Um, that's the real unknown to, in, in my world. Everything else is, I guess, unknown as well. Um, seems like all of our domestic tournaments for the year are canceled. Yeah. I haven't heard any rumors of any of our playdowns or the championships or any of the even local tournaments being put back on. So it seems like that whole scene, you know, might be done for the year. Who knows? Yeah, Very true. Sure. Same well, with you guys, I'm guessing as well, right? Pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really looking forward to the season, so I'm a little upset that it's uh, delayed for the moment anyways, but... It is what it is, I suppose. And Luke, are we going to get you down in the U.S. playing in the U.S. Would, Open or I Southwest would, Division or anything? I would love to. Uh, it's always been sort of, a, I guess, maybe a dream of mine. I don't honestly don't know why I've never done it, but I've had a few offers on the table the last couple of years from the the Patuli boys, if you know them. Yes, they do. Yeah, and they're regulars couple, down here the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, and Mike McNorton inquired about my services to come down there and play last season, but unfortunately I couldn't make it. So hopefully in the next couple of years, I'd really like to. I've heard a lot of good things, and obviously I love bulls, and I love good competition, so I think it'd be a good time. Daryl, you've been down here? I've only been down there as a kind of a trip in a training. I've never actually come gotcha. to the U.S. Open, gotcha. believe it or you not. You guys went to Florida? Is that what it was when you— the training session when you uh, went to Florida? I went to Arizona a couple times. Oh, to Arizona. You did? Okay. Yeah. That's nice. The greens in Arizona are fabulous. They are fabulous, actually. Um, I can't say uh, enough good things about Arizona when I come back and, and how they have it down there. Yeah, I mean, same here. Yeah. Even for me, you know, I love it where I live, but the the quality of their greens the, and the number of the quality greens that they have is, is impressive to me. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um. W- saying uh, asking us whether we'd go down to the states uh, would you ever uh take a trip up to canada to play in a few events yeah definitely um you know there's definitely some tournaments in your area the woba that's on my radar yeah um 
Good one. And if talking to with um, you know, some of the other Canadians that I that I chat with once in a while, and they definitely want to get me up there to play in that. Perfect. Um, and actually, you know, the the NAC was supposed to be in your area as well this this coming year. Oh, that's yeah, right, Windsor. Windsor. Yeah, Windsor. It's supposed to be in Windsor. I don't know how far logistically that is from you boys, but yeah, not too far, anyway. Yeah, no. a couple hours. Yeah. You know, so it's unfortunate that I would have well. I actually misspoke a little bit. So I say I was dropped from the U.S. team. I'm actually was selected to play in the NAC, but ultimately it was the World Bowls trip that, you know, would have been the prize and where I wanted to be. Right. Um, but still happy to be representing the country and playing if the NAC would have been on. Oh, that would have been really cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, it would. I, I mean, I love, you know, playing all serious competitions. So it would have been cool to, to come up there and, and see you boys and, and have some games. Absolutely. And kind of like that picture showed, uh, you guys are... The reigning champions for the NAC. Exactly so, right. You yeah. know, you guys um, had been beating us up for quite a few years. I think if you look at the overall numbers on the Jarvis Falcons and the different trophies, I think you guys were cleaning us up. So it was nice for us to hang on to those trophies. And if it's canceled, I guess we get to hang on to them for an extra couple of years as well. That's right. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. They were um, supposedly making arounds to all the different clubs of the players that were part of that team. Um, to kind of show off to the club members and let them know what their club members were part of on the national level. So that was kind of a cool thing for Bulls USA to do to kind of take those trophies and ship them around the U.S. to the different clubs and kind of let them hang on to them for a little while and let the club members see, you know, what goes on. Because a lot of times, like I say, the U.S. club members aren't aware of what's going on on the global and the national level with the U.S. national team. No, and that's that's true, and that's really actually a cool thing that you guys are doing. Um, celebrate, uh, well, like we say, and Luke and I have talked about it before. Um, you got to celebrate those champions and show people exactly what is out there and, and what people are doing. Right? It's hard work, man. Once you get overseas and you start playing international, the the level of competition is out of control, and it's hard work winning games, much less medals and trophies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daryl, uh, I think it's come to that time, unless you have any more questions. No, I, I think I've exhausted uh, most of my stuff. Aaron's been an awesome guest and, and shedding some light on the bull scene in the U.S. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you very much for your time today, Aaron. Um, my pleasure. We really, Luke, we really it was nice do to chat appreciate with you. It. Yeah, you as Darryl well. Daryl as well. Daryl, I know we've known each other for a while, and Luke, hopefully we can meet sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we can stay in touch and talk in the near future here. Definitely. Uh, Again, thanks for your time. We really do appreciate it. And uh, good luck with your pizza shop. And hopefully the borders get open so you can get over there to uh, put on a show for us North Americans. That's right. Definitely. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, Aaron. All right, Daryl. That was awesome. That was good. I had a good yeah. time. I had a good time. That was uh, an interesting one for me. I was kind of excited. It's the first guest I've never actually spoken to before other than today. So uh, it's kind of nice to learn about somebody that you don't know anything about. So. Aaron's, Aaron's been uh, a really great friend in Bulls. Uh, I've known him, obviously, since 2011. And uh, just a positive guy, plays Bulls, loves the sport, um, and represents his country well. So it was great to have him on. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories about him from a, uh, some, a couple of friends, and he seems like a really good guy. So yeah. I'm happy that we had him on the show. Um, I just wanted to cover a quick, some quick housekeeping before we move on. Um, just remember, guys, always like, subscribe, share the video, comment down below, comment in the chat while we're going, while we're live. Uh, we really do appreciate it. It makes a big, big deal. Um, 
And I just wanted to give a little bit of a shout out for a goal that we have. We're uh, honing in here on 300 subscribers on the YouTube page, yeah. um, which is incredible. I never thought we would get 50, let alone 300. So uh, I really do appreciate everybody tuning into the show. I think I can speak for both of us um, that this is uh, miles above what we expected in just the the group, the core group that watches us live every every other week. It's it's incredible, and I really do appreciate everybody. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Luke said it all right there. We appreciate every single one of, of you that that watches, that likes, that is subscribed to our channel, and um, yeah, let's, we're we're pushing to that three hundred uh, barrier, and uh, you know, we're we're hoping that we can just keep growing this. Uh, the show and and our our brand um and get it global yeah we have a lot of good ideas coming on the pipe i do want to promise out i don't want to spoil too much but uh this passion project is uh grows rapidly we speak every day on what we want to do with the show so we really are doing our best to pump out some good stuff for all the viewers out there so i hope everyone can be excited for what's going on in the future yeah. and speaking about the future daryl did you hear the breaking news <laughs> do you want to show them the teaser yeah, let's do it. All right. So we have a little teaser for you guys. Um, and here you go. All right. All right. So what you guys seen there is an idea that came up in a funny way, actually. Um, I don't know how many people watched me uh, live stream a fishing video game a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I was chatting with Daryl and we said, I don't know, what's the best part about bowls? Um, what do people like to do when they get together and talk about bowls? Uh, especially in these sort of times, right, where we can't uh, we can't go to a tournament. I can't go sit down at uh, a pub and have a beer with the boys after the game. Uh, so the idea behind this was let's do something like that online. Um, let's get a couple of guys. I think, what did we come up with? Six guys, Daryl? Yeah, I think so. The two of us and, and four guests. Yeah. Um, I don't, we're not sure how it's going to work yet. Um, if they're, I think we're going to have some regulars and some rotating, um, just whenever who's available. Uh, we haven't, uh, locked really anybody down yet, so I don't want to, I don't want to name drop anything, but we have been in talks with some people and it's basically just going to be a show where we sit down, discuss things, uh, talk stories, maybe have a beer. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more loose than this show. Um, I hope uh, we can get into some opinionated things and have um, good discussions and uh, kind of just break down things and talk about uh, what's going on and what has happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited for this idea because, uh, like Luke said, one of the best things about being at a Bulls event, a tournament, whatever it is, um, you get through the day, you, you battle it out on the greens, and then you go down and, and you have a drink or you just sit down and chat. And um, a lot of the great fun things that I've learned or that I've I've talked about is after the game. You know, Absolutely. you sit around and things just naturally come out, like stories about bowlers or you talk about the shots that you made or, or whatever it is. And um, we kind of want to try to bring that to this this format and and uh have some guests get some really good stories and then share it with everybody around the world yeah it's i think it's going to be great daryl and uh i think we decided on we're going to try and do one a month uh for the time being anyways uh and yeah i don't i'm not sure when it's going to start hopefully in the near future but yeah there, we're, there's a little 
there's a little teaser for you guys of what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, we, we do have to iron out some uh, things like the uh, the format, the overlay, who's going to be on, um, how often we're going to do it, and, and when we're going to do it. So um, everything's kind of laid as a foundation. We just have to build on top of that. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to move on to a segment that I had recently started, the Supporter Showcase. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, this week, I did not come up with a way to have somebody. So I just reached out to a friend of mine in the Bulls community, somebody I know watches the show every week. And that's my good bud, Michael Petuli. So I asked him the same questions that I asked Daryl. The first one was, what is your uh, what is your favorite sports memory uh, inside of Bulls or outside of Bulls, whatever you choose? And um, Mike said winning the 2011 Canadian Championships with his dad and his brother. Uh, and I can completely agree with that. I, I I know what that would be like to win something like that. With I know what it's like playing with my family, so I like that answer. I said, what's the favorite place you've ever traveled to? And he said, Pakistan. Never been there. I've heard it's great, though. Uh, what do you like to do in your spare time? Mike said he likes to play video games. His favorite game is XCOM. Interesting. Uh, the next question was, do you have any superstitions? And he said, I listen to music before every game of lawn bowling. To get the song stuck in my head for when I play, it helps me concentrate. You know, I've never, uh, I, I've never really thought about it that way, but I think that's probably what I do too, because I always listen to music before I play, and I'm always singing it in my head for the whole game. It can work. Uh, yeah. The next question is coffee or tea. He likes coffee. Uh, TV show or movies? He likes TV shows. I asked him uh, who his celebrity crush was, uh, male and female, if comfortable. And he said Allison Brie. I think that's how you said. It. I don't know who that is. And right. he likes John. He likes John Cena, probably because you can't see him. Um, <laughs> uh, his favorite restaurant or fast food is Leopold's Tavern. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've actually had the pleasure to go there. It's a little pub in Regina. It's amazing. I can understand why that's his favorite. Uh, he chooses Coke over Pepsi. And lastly, his dream job is to be an MMA or wrestling journalist. Uh, if you're li if you're listening, Mike, thanks a lot for doing that for me. It was last second, so I really do appreciate it. Um, for next week, I ha I do have something in the works, and hopefully, I get it out there in time so we can have a little bit more of a uh, community uh, guest rather than a personal friend. But I do appreciate you, Mike. You're the best. Mwah. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, I mean, uh, the struggle with the show right now is that we're we're stuck in our houses in our um, offices or wherever we are just trying to come up with ideas and and uh, give you news and stuff to to keep you interested um, once things start opening up and we can actually get back out on the greens and move around a little bit um, we do want to expand some of this content to actually have on green videos uh, tutorials coaching all that kind of stuff and we can also hopefully go to some events and do these um, supporter questionnaires in person and have some video for you guys so you can actually see them answering the questions and and giving some context behind them yeah i think that would be awesome yeah um yeah i know daryl you wanted to talk a little bit i know we didn't get to it in the interview but i know you wanted to talk about um some of the restrictions that they've had in australia uh regarding the lombola scene so uh what what did you want to talk about in that I just uh, it was it was an interesting news story that came out recently. Um, Bulls Australia kind of posted um, a bunch of information on uh, relaxing some of the restrictions uh, for bowlers getting on the greens. So um, 
I'll see if I can bring it up here for you guys. Um, on their site, uh, they've confirmed uh, that they're going to uh, relax COVID-19 restrictions on bulls. Um, this is Bulls Australia saying this. This is not their um, kind of federal, national government or their state governments. Every single club is um, supposed to follow the state guidelines. So if they're closed, they're closed. Um, the restrictions are pretty strong. They've got uh, sort of a, a roadmap there and how to transition from being closed to open with sanitation, um, cleaning, all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought it was interesting that they're going to be probably the first country to relax these restrictions and let people on the greens. I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, I want to caution those watching the video, those watching live right now, um, don't try to um, stamp this kind of stuff onto Canada or the US or other countries because we're not the same. Uh, Australia is in a very, very different position than we are in Canada, than the States are, than the UK, um, even New Zealand, all those kind of places. So um, it's kind of a watch and see. This is kind of what they're doing. I wanted to kind of put it out there because it is kind of a big step as far as Bulls goes uh, internationally. But um, please yeah, it, be safe. It's definitely um, a different situation. I mean, I'm just uh, paraphrasing or spitballing, if you will. But I don't know what the numbers are like. But I do believe Australia's numbers for the COVID-19 are significantly lower than North America. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to have to believe that's why they're having these restrictions. I haven't read the article personally. But just from what I see here, it seems like they're taking... Um, the right precautions to be doing something like this, which I, I obviously appreciate. Um, I think looking at it from a Canadian or an American standpoint, it seems a little early. Yeah. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I'm not bashing or hating on anything they're doing. Uh, again, like you said, it's a completely different situation. Um, so, yeah, like Daryl said, guys, please do be safe. I don't think uh, we should follow anything that they've put out. Um, I just don't think it's the time. And I don't want to lose anybody to this, and I want everything to be able to uh, work out. So I think if we stay home this year, so we can play next year. Because if we don't stay home this year, we're probably not going to get to play next year either. So I think that's probably a good way to look at it um, yeah. going forward. Um, you can just kind of see uh, the first sporting organization to kind of open their doors, the UFC. Um, they're actually doing an event tonight, and they've been prepping for it. And the news, I can't remember if it was last night or this morning, was that one of the people or one of the uh, competitors that went there and was training um, tested positive for COVID-19. Right. Yeah. I, I seen that. I think I sent that over to you last night. I, uh, I was surprised to see it, but at the same time, I'm not shocked. Um, um, yeah. And, was then just... the the, and then the problem with that is right. Like who does, um, who does that person train with because they're sweating and they're breathing on each other. So like how many people does that spread it around to? Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, for the USC, they took a ton of precautions. They had everybody in individual training areas. They brought in individual saunas for these guys, um, cleaning constantly. I think they said it was kind of like a scene from Ghostbusters with guys with big packs on their back spraying everything. Um, wow. It's uh, quite a production that they have, but still someone slips through. And who has he been in contact with? Shaking hands. Um doing face-offs, media, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's an interesting situation. And that's that's kind of what you face when you you start to go 
and loosen restrictions, what's going to happen? We don't we don't quite know. And I uh, see John Seitman in the chat. He says they're in a much better position right now. Uh, 798 confirmed cases and 98 deaths in Australia. Uh, they also have are in a much better position because of adding staff. Uh, clubs elsewhere don't have that much luxury. Yeah, I completely agree with you, John. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm i not hating or saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I personally think it's too early, but I, I'm not in the same position as an Australian. So, uh it's probably like for it's definitely uh, a good way to start things. I just uh, think for here it's not the play. Yeah, I think I think every country is looking at it the same way. They want um, a safe return to sport and getting back to whatever normal is going to be going forward. Um, but yeah, every country is different. Some are going to be locked down for quite a while. Um, others are going to start to to ease restrictions. But we can't cookie cutter one solution onto another country. That's that's kind of what we're saying here, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, again, speaking on the virus, I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country. Maybe, John, you could uh, fill me in on another time or in the chat if you feel like it. Like, I know in Ontario, um, our premier has actually, in my opinion, done a very good job. And they've set out a roadmap of how they're going to start uh, loosening restrictions. And I believe it starts on Monday, Daryl? I think so. I believe that's I right. Think, so, I, I think... Um, again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting, but I believe it's uh, we're back to the restrictions that we had when this first when it first started. So there's still uh, non-essentials are being closed, but I'm, I think they're allowing some of the local shops and whatever to prepare to be opened. And I know hardware stores and things like that will be open again for sure right. as of Monday, I believe. So I mean that's an exciting step for sure. Absolutely. So, Daryl, what do we want to do next? Are we gonna? Are you gonna do your special segment today? Is it time? I I guess so. I'll I'll do my coach's corner, and uh, hopefully people enjoy it. Huh? Alrighty, the floor is yours. All right, coach's corner. All right. So, um, I really do like doing these segments. Um, I, I like researching stuff and reading over stuff that I've I've read before. Um. This uh, Coach's Corner kind of comes from a book that I have. It's called uh, Zen Golf. Um, I've started to reread it again um, while I'm preparing for for these shows. And I think it's a great mental... Um, uh, a book on mental training that uh, we can use as bowlers. Even though it's geared towards golf, a lot of the stuff can be transitioned over to uh, lawn bowling. Um so what I'm going to talk about today is kind of give you an idea of the types of learners that we have. So as a player, understanding what am I um, giving to my training sessions and how am I preparing myself so that I'm the best learner that I can be soaking in the information and um, getting the most out of my training sessions. And as a coach, what kind of a learner am I dealing with and how do I handle them? Um, what kind of obstacles do we face as coaches and as players that um, cause us to not only not get the full amount of training, not get the information that we want, but also um, mix up some of the uh, the information so that our training doesn't really give us the benefit that we hope it will. Um, sometimes it's just a negative, right? So um, what, I, what I like to say is empty the bowls back. 
So um, in the book, it talks about glasses of water, and I'll probably refer to glasses of water, but um, just like some of us do in the spring, or maybe uh, just before we put uh, our bowls stuff away for the winter uh, here in Canada, um, it's cleaning out that bowls bag. What is all the stuff that you collected over the years uh, or over um, some events that's just cluttering up your bowls bag? You know, can you fit your shoes in there? Can you fit um, your measure and, and your chalk and all the, the great stuff that you have in there? Is it just full with stuff that you just can't possibly get any more in? And as a learner, um, I want to go into training with as much of an empty bowls bag as I can. I want to take in as much as I can. I want to understand what's going on. I want to come in with a free and clear mind so that um, I'm not coming in with preconceived ideas and I can understand what is being said and what the coach is telling me um, so that I can take it back, work with it, and um, and get the most out of it. So as you can see, I got a picture of an overflowing water thing. So empty the bulls bag. Um, mentally, we can block ourselves and think that we know it all. So when we know it all, our cup is full. Okay. We don't need any uh, delivery information. We don't need um, tactical information. We know it all. We know what's going on. So if a coach or someone, you go in and say, you know, I want some training, but you think you already know it all, the coach is pouring that water in and everything's just overflowing. Okay. Nothing is being saved. Um, it may replace some stuff and some stuff gets thrown out, but it's highly unlikely. It's just dumping, 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 and nothing's staying around. Um if you maintain that attitude, an attitude that you've got it all figured out, nothing's going to get in here, okay? This is going to be really hard to get in, uh, get some change, okay? Your glass is full. You've taken in everything and you cannot take in anymore, okay? Uh, you have your own perceptions and ideas about the about the game and how you want to play it. So what, what are you training for? What are you practicing for? What do you want coaching for? Okay, you can say you want coaching, but uh, maybe you don't really want coaching. Maybe you just want uh, someone to tell you that you're right and just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I think we all need to understand that we don't know it all. I, as a coach, don't know it all. I talk to coaches who have been doing it for decades who have a wealth of knowledge, and they'll tell me, I don't know it all, right? Take in what you can from a person. As a player, take in what you can. Throw away what doesn't work, okay? Some stuff doesn't work for everybody. And understand, take the good. You know, make your bowls game better. Empty that glass a little bit so you can actually fit some more stuff in there. Um, and like I said, empty your bowls bag and come in with room to take on new ideas and be that fresh new student that is excited to learn, um, to find new ways to improve. Um, kind of like we do when we're a new bowler. We come in and we don't know what's going on. We want to get as much knowledge as we can, okay? What is the map? How do I use the map? How do I... Uh, stand on the mat is my grip okay is my um, balance um, okay as far as my delivery goes while an experienced bowler may already have a set way of doing things things can be tweaked things can be um, made a little bit better and it's always good to try new things and keep an open mind and sometimes it doesn't work and that's okay but sometimes you find that gem that just takes you that one or two percent a little bit higher and uh, that is so worth it it is so worth it can you learn and grow? Are you the type of player that can learn and grow? Um, some people can't. Some people are just so set in their ways that um, they're not going to get better and well, they might not get any worse, but they're stuck in that that rut and um, they're never going to see that success because they're just on that straight line going forward, right? So I see this 
four kinds of students, okay? And I'm gonna use a cup analogy again. Um, it's, I think it's really good. So there's the upside down cup, right? You think you, you have an empty cup, you think you're ready for knowledge, but your cup is upside down. So you're pouring that knowledge on top of it and it's just splashing off the top. Nothing is actually gonna get in, okay? It doesn't matter how much room there is in the cup, nothing's gonna stick. Okay, you're, you're blocked off to new things. You're blocked off to practice. You, you think that coaching possibly is not worth it. You don't think that the person coaching you can offer you anything, right? You're just blocked off, so nothing's gonna get in. Um, the empty cup with a hole in the bottom. So, you know, you're ready to learn. You look like you're ready to learn. You're taking things in and, um, and interacting with the coach and, and getting some information, but there's a hole in that bottom, in the bottom of that cup and water's gonna just keep leaking out. Um, nothing is retained. So while some stuff may sit in the bottom a little bit, most of the good information is just gonna leak out that bottom because you're not there to, to actually retain anything. You're just going through the motions. You can um, recite what's going on for the short term, but in the long term, when you go back to your club and people say, oh, what did you learn and how did you do? You're kind of like, I can't explain it. I don't really know. And nothing really changes in your game. A dirty glass. So, sure, your cup is pretty empty. Um, you're able to pour in all this water and retain all this knowledge, and you're actually listening and taking things on. But the dirty glass clouds all that information. So you've got all this residue that um, you're you're taking into the learning. So, you know, you you have preconceived ideas about what you want your delivery to be. You you have tactical knowledge and you don't want to really divert from that you're not willing to really branch out that much so when the coach tells you all these things you're basically clouding it with all your preconceived ideas and really looking to um, validate what you think is right and then ditch the rest so the, the water gets really really murky so you're not getting the most out of your training you might get a little bit but you're just not ready to fully embrace what's being said. And then obviously the last one is uh, the empty cup. That's the ideal student. Um, clean glass, ready to go, ready to fill up. Uh, you're there to learn, you're there to take things on, and you're gonna go back to your club or wherever you are and practice those things. See if they work, okay? Sometimes the things that you learned, eh, they're not quite doing what you think they do. You can pour that water out a little bit but you take on the good stuff. You you understand what you're looking for and how things are affecting you as a player, okay? You wanna be that fourth one. It doesn't matter if you're at the top of the game, the middle of the game, or the bottom of the game. You wanna be that empty cup. Go into training, take in everything that you can, and whether you're at the bottom and you're looking to jump your game 10, 20, 30%, like a huge jump, you're in the middle of the game looking for that extra boost so that you can compete nationally, or you're at the top of the game, you're just looking for that one to two percent edge so that you can start really winning those championship games you need to be that empty cup you need to be willing to take on instruction and understand that the coach is there to help you out they might not have all the answers they might not um, be able to give you all the solutions and all the things that you need but take what you can from them they do off every coach offers something you got to find what that is and um and take that on And when things get tough, all right, there's a there's a neat little story uh, in the book that I wanted to kind of talk about, and it's 
it's about uh, an emperor, let's say. And he's traveling his kingdom, and it's a very rocky kingdom. The roads are rocky, the, the hills are rocky. There's not much uh, grass and stuff there. And he says it hurts his feet. He can't take anymore. He can't travel his kingdom. It, it's too tough. So his solution, and the one solution he wants to go with, is to cover all the roads in leather. That way, anywhere he walks, he's going to be comfortable. So he invites all the artisans there to... Um, to offer their solutions and what it will cost them. So the first guy comes and says, I can do this. I can cover everything in leather, make your whole kingdom comfortable to walk on. It'll cost everything in your treasury. The next guy comes in and says the exact same thing. He says, but you know what? I can do it for half. And then the little old lady, which nobody actually um, gave a second look to, comes over and says, I can do everything that you want for $10. And the king's like, how can you possibly do all this stuff for $10? And her thinking, all I need to do is strap leather to your feet, and that'll cost $10. And you can walk everywhere you want, anywhere you want, and you'll have leather under your feet. So the moral of that story is, okay, you don't have to take everything at face value, and what someone tells you, you have to keep and keep going with. So the king wanted everything covered in leather. That's my only solution think outside the box okay when things get tough and the solution seems so or the the issue seems so big maybe the there's a small little thing that can actually shrink that problem down to a manageable size um just like the the cups you want to go in with an open mind because you never know what little nugget you're going to find that's going to help you in the in the long run Things don't always, always go our way and conditions aren't always the best, but those that adapt and persevere will succeed. Okay. Um, complaining about conditions, green conditions, bowls, weather, it's only a distraction. Okay? It only leads down a path of um, dragging you down and so you're not succeeding. Okay. I'll, I'll go to a, a bowling green and if somebody's already complaining before the game has started, I know I've got the edge on them because they're really not looking for a solution. They're just wanting to complain and say, hey, my bowl's going to carry out. My bowl's in a rut. I can't get over this. They're not looking for a solution. They're just stuck in the problem. And like I said, take note of those who constantly and regularly complain about conditions, tournament structure, weather, greens, whatever it is, and see how often they're actually succeeding at the game um, that they want to play. Are they actually doing well? Or are they just... Um, out there rolling bulls and hoping for the best. And be the person who can battle back in tough times. Learn to adapt, take on new things, be that empty cup. And uh, rather than seeing stuff in a negative, um, see it as a challenge to overcome. Um, and find solutions by looking at the whole solution, okay? You don't have to cover the roads, maybe you just have to cover your feet. And I like to say this, there's no silver bullet. So think big, believe big, act big, and the results will be big. Okay. No one has all the answers. No coach is going to be able to tell you that what they, what they do is the ultimate solution. Okay. Someone can tell you they have the ultimate delivery solution. It's not true. They have the ultimate grip that you have to do. It's not true. Okay. Not everything works for everybody. You have to find what works for you and work with that. I, as a coach, may be really good with one player and not so good with another. And then an opposite coach for me may be good with the other player and not so good with the one that I'm good with. That's the way that it goes. Um, players should take in as much information as they can to improve their game and learn to process it. Okay, Take it in, 
keep it in, keep the good, release the bad. Like learn to process this information so that you can retain what's really, really good. Um, think big and figure out where you want to go and how you want to get there. Get that roadmap, right? Think big, achieve big, okay? Um, and find those that can uh, help you. Not every coach is meant for every bowler, okay? Find the one that works for you. That's really, really important. And with that, that is Coach's Corner. It was a little lengthy, but I thought it was pretty important. Awesome, Daryl. That was a good one today. I liked it. I like the the part about uh, the shoes and the leather road. <laughs> it's a good story. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. At first, I was curious where it was going, but it did make sense <laughs> at the end. I know. Um, I figured. I I, I do like uh, the, also the part where you put in about uh, complaining about greens bowls, whatever else. Um, it just kind of gets back on the thing we always try to like. Uh, it's kind of like we're beating the dead horse. It's uh, just mental mental uh, strength in the game. Those long bowls is actually massive. Mm-hmm. Um, I know personally, and there's so, so many people out there who lose games because of themselves where it started off a little slow or you're down, let's say I'm playing a game of singles against Daryl and I give up two fours in a row. It's like, yeah, I'm only down, I'm down eight, but I still got so many more ends to go. One shot at an end will get me there, especially if we're playing to 21 points. I got all the time in the world. Well, that's not completely true, but, uh, you got a lot of time to come back and one shot at an end, you're only down two ends. Or like what I always say to myself, if I'm playing a game of singles and I give up before, I'm only down one end. I'm only one end behind, one good end. And that's all you need. One good end at a time is what's going to claw you back in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, Daryl, I really do like listening to the Coach's Corner ones. They're helpful for me, too. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, today was a good show, Daryl. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was... before, uh, this might be our longest one yet. It is, for sure. Um, Which is fine. Yeah. Time flies, right? Yeah, I hope everybody out there had a good time listening as much as I had a good time doing it. Um, um, I will just do a quick little recap of our gloat tournament. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that kind of slipped our mind. So we're actually getting into... Um, what are we in the final four now? Uh, no, we're at the Elite Eight. The Elite Eight. <laughs> I had to, uh, I got to make a comment about the the Ryan Bester one. Uh, it was really tight, and I think people were, uh, some people might have been worried that Bester was going to win. And honestly, I thought he was going to win just because we're a Canadian um, media source, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy how, like I, I said to Daryl, I think we should share this. It's so tight. Um, so we shared it, and it actually blew up, which was kind of exciting uh, to see how many people voted on that one. Yeah, I was I was Luke and I were talking and we, we kind of said, you know, most of the uh, the voting was between, I'll say, 30 and 40 votes, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, this last round, uh, when we started to share a few of them um, out to the public and, and very specific, say like, hey, Ryan Bester and, and David Bryan are very, very close. Um, that one blew up to like over 300 votes. Uh, just crazy. So... Um, what we're asking you as the viewers, as people who have voted in this, um, share it, share with people, uh, let them know why you think someone is better than the other person. We've got some amazing, uh, battles that, uh, that are going to be going on the next, uh, little while, um, Alex Marshall versus Karen Murphy. So That's a banger. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Scottish legend versus, um, arguably the most well-known and distinct um, uh, 
women's bowler in Australia. Might be one of the most successful bowlers of all time, too. Yeah. Uh, Tony Alcock versus Peter Bellis. Uh, they've battled on the greens. There's a video on our YouTube channel um, that has them playing in a uh, pairs match. Uh, two legends, a legend of England and a legend of New Zealand. Um, David Brandt and Steve Glasson, um, you know, the head coach of uh, Bulls Australia, and David Brandt, who uh, doesn't need any introduction. He is uh, one of the most uh, decorated uh, bowlers uh, from England. And then the last one, uh, Paul Foster versus Kelvin Kirko. Kelvin Kirko's, uh, I think, a, a fan favorite in Australia. Um, sure. You know, that shirtless picture is uh, synonymous with him. And uh, Paul Foster is... Um, I mean, he's done great things indoor and outdoor, but his indoor accomplishments are off the charts. Thing I, speaking about that matchup, the thing I really like about Calvin Kirko, I've never seen him play without his um, stick, hmm. if that's what you want to call it. And I just think it's incredible that he was successful as he was like uh, overcoming adversity um, with Absolutely. for whatever reason that he had to use that. I'm, I don't really know the story. but So like we've always been saying, this is a lot of fun. This is meant to be fun for, for everybody involved. And, um, you know, just because someone wins this doesn't mean that uh, they are the GOAT. We'll name them the Canadian Bowler uh, 2020 Globes. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but it's great. I mean, if you don't know who some of these people are, go and look them up. Um, learn There's about definitely our history. stuff out there. Did, yeah. you, did you end up finding something about every player, Daryl? Uh, in the... First row, so this long, long, long row. I didn't. Some people had um, were pl played well before video was kind of getting popular. But um, in this battle right now, we have a video on every single person. Right. right? That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you can go and take a look at what they've done, how they play, um, how intense they are when they play. So um, look I'm, for the I'm posts just... on Facebook. All right. I'm just going to say it one more time, guys. Um, just how we said that Ryan Bester, uh, David Brandt one, how, how much it ballooned from a couple shares. It just shows how much shares actually do mean to us and, and stuff like that. So we really do appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah, the more you guys share, like, subscribe, um, the better it is for this channel, for exposure. And uh, it just gives us that extra drive to say, hey, you know what, we got to continue this and we got we to gotta look for ways to grow it. All right. I guess with that being said, I guess That's we've it. come to the end, Daryl. Yeah. It's time. It's time for the last end. <laughs> uh, well, oh, again, I want to thank Aaron, Aaron Zangle, the American, California love, as Rob Law wanted to call him, um, for coming on the show. We appreciate his time, and uh, it was a good time talking to him and learning a little bit about his uh, his life and his bulls adventure. Um, thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thanks, Daryl, for doing this again, setting everything awesome. up as you always do. Appreciate fun. it. Um, and yeah, guys, again, like I said at the start of the show, um, just be excited for some new things coming down the pipe. We're working hard, as hard as we can. And uh, if you guys have any ideas, don't be afraid to fire them at us. We are, appreciate all good and bad feedback. It all means a lot. Absolutely. Um, Remember to hit that subscribe button, like, and share. It uh, means a lot, a lot more than it probably means just to click a button. Um, and we do appreciate it. Um, and for all of our regular guests, we're always in the chat. I do like that as well. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you. And guys, until next time, 
I hope all your shots are touchers and be safe. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.